Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other observers of history as masterpieces. I'm Nick and I am joined as ever by Roger. Hello. And there's no funny opening and no funny bits leading up to this because we are dealing with um, capital letters, a serious film. I'm afraid. Um, this is... Well, not I'm afraid. It was certainly something... It, it's a bit of a change of pace after Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> That's a very good point. Which in itself is quite a change after Mulholland Drive. Um, so yeah, we're nothing if not varied here on Ribbon of Memes. Um, we have reached the year 2002. And, uh, I mean, the only problem with... Uh, this film is me having to be very careful pronunciating it because pronunciating it, and because we are dealing with Roman Polanski's 2002 film, The Pianist. Now you see, when I was growing up, everybody I knew just called, just pronounced it pianist, and I don't think I've met anybody since then who does. So you know, I think we grew up in very very different places. <laughs> Um, uh, we did not, uh, we did not describe it as the pianist. Uh, pianist, was it? Pianist. Uh, P-Y-A-H, maybe, might be how you'd spell it. I see, I see. Um, titles aside, this is territory we have visited before, because this is the story, effectively, of the Warsaw Ghetto, um, in the mm. Second World War. Um, and we done watched that Schindler's List there in 1992, something of that time. And yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm glad that we did. Mm. I, all right. I was probably the only person in the world who hadn't already seen Schindler's List, but it, <laughs> but it was very clear to me that this was made with that film in mind. Not, yeah, you know, not copying it, but just saying, okay, you've seen this, you know what this particular yeah, style of building and so on looks like, and we're going to make it look the same, because, let's face it, we also have Warsaw to film in. Yes, yes. I mean, it, uh, visually, I mean, the the main visual difference, of course, is that Schindler's List is filmed in black and white, uh, and again, self-consciously to kind of evoke the images of um, newsreels of the era, whereas this is much more traditionally... Uh, traditionally staged, I think, and filmed... Um, uh, uh, there's mm. not a lot more that's traditional. Certainly the narrative is much less traditional, I guess, which we'll come on to. But this has a much more cinematic look to it, I guess. It, it does look... Um, yeah, I think that's more, fair. More like a traditional film. I mean, the subject matter is very different. We had some... I don't know about some discussions about whether we should revisit this. I mean, whether there was a lot... The pianist could bring to the table after seeing Schindler's List, um, but we we thought we would uh, try it anyway. I, I don't. Neither of us had seen it, had they? I certainly no. hadn't. Um, and I I think I don't want to speak for you too much, Roger, but I think we both agree that certainly this did bring um, more to the table and and certainly added more to the story and um, get well it gave us a new perspective yeah without um, setting any spoilers about our eventual conclusions uh, th this is not just oh right let's rip off Schindler's List in, no, spi in spite of the commonality of setting in spite of certain narrative elements in common in spite indeed of it being an adaptation of an account by its protagonist 
actually written by yeah. the real person. There's a, there's a huge amount of similarities. Um, uh, I I agree with you. The pianist does feel like, uh, if not kind of a uh, an attack on Schindler's List, but certainly a comment on it or hang on, but kind of response to Schindler's Or at the very least, there is also this story, and it is a different yes, story. I, yeah, I think that's fair to say, yeah. So we follow the story of Ladislav Spielmann, uh, the foremost or one of the foremost pianists in Warsaw uh, from basically from the outbreak of uh, the Second World War to, well, the end of it. I mean, basically the whole Second World War um, and his experience of it. Um, yeah, there's which... very little about who he was before and only a, a slight implication about what he did afterwards. Yeah, we have maybe one scene afterwards. Um, and it really is, I, I mean, it is, um, uh, so this is Adrian Brody, um, who I have been, I'm going to be frank, I, I've been vaguely irritated by before in other <laughs> films um, that I've that I've seen him in. Um, he's been in Predators and some Jurassic Parks and things. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, when you mentioned this, I looked him up, and I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Uh, I've, I've seen some people who look quite similar, have a similar habit, but not him specifically. Yeah, okay. Well, he's. I, I've been vaguely... But I think it's fair to say within a few minutes of the film... It, it's interesting. Some films, straight away, I just feel... Oh, I'm in good hands. I'm going to relax. And that tends to be most of the Coen Brother films for me. Um, some films, it takes me longer to get into. Um, uh, and, and that would include things like, I suppose, Ghosts of Mars and, and John Carpenter. Sometimes John Carpenter, although I think he's a great director, I, d I just slightly bounce off the acting style. And um, Mouth of Madness and, was a hard one to get into sympathy yeah, with for me. Yeah, yeah. And and some directors I just know I'm, I'm going to not get on with at all. Um, uh, we're looking at you, Mulholland Drive. Um, but within a few minutes of this film, um, I I I thought, well, we're going to be in good hands, and I, I I'm quite happy to watch the rest of this film. And I I don't know quite what it is about films that do do that to me, but it was it's something about the staging, something about the acting style. It's quite naturalistic here. It's quite realistic. I, I mean, I've said it's a more traditionally cinematic film than Schindler's List. Um, that's really just the look of it. But the, the acting style is quite naturalistic and realistic, as it is in Schindler's List. Well, um, for for me. I, if if you are so unfortunate as to read my blog, you will notice that quite often when I'm commenting on trailers, I find that the trailer does not try to engage me. You know, it it, it doesn't say why I should like this guy. It says, "Here's a guy. His wife is ill. Obviously, yeah. that is justification for him blowing up everything." Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and it's usually Liam Neeson that does it. And I looked at Brody's face, and he came over. In, in character, you know, I, I don't, as I don't know him elsewhere, as, you know, amused, better than you, extremely yeah. self-confident. Gotta yeah. say, I look at a contemporary picture of Spielmann and he looks pretty much the same. I mean, that's a posed photo, yeah. obviously, that, that's, you know, publicity shot and so on. But that, that is, um, yeah. And then when he well, start, we... when things start happening, Instantly that goes. But even when he, in the early stages when he is, you know, he, he's a pianist, he's at the top of his game. Well, pretty, yeah. pretty, as far as he can be, he's getting better. Um, but that first scene, uh, which, which is not mm. quite historical, um, 
As it's um, portrayed, he's playing uh, on the Warsaw Radio when the station is bombed during the invasion. Uh, Yes, I wanted to talk about this opening scene, because I think it's this that reassured me that I was going to enjoy it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I have been a musician, and I'm instantly in sympathy with, yeah, what you do is you keep playing until you physically cannot. Yes, yeah. (laughs) That that is what an actual musician does. Thank you. You know, somebody's done some research here, or they got it right by but, chance. I don't care. <laughs> well, I I enjoyed that, but I also felt so that that was part of it that that brought me into the film. But also, what I liked, oh, I don't know about liked, but what I appreciated is the bombs gave no shits whether he was a musician or not. Mm. You know, the the rest of the technicians, you know, that they were like, stop playing, stop, we're going off the air. He, as this kind of, I, I suppose, stereotypical musician in a way, continued with it. Um, and then a bomb hit the station and he had to abandon it. And mm. uh, I, I just felt it was, it, well, it sounds like the opening scene won us both over, um, perhaps in different ways. But it, it, it both re- it told us a lot about his character. It told us a lot about, in fact, in a way, it's kind of a microcosm of the film. You know, we, we learn about his character. We learn he is kind of a bit arrogant um, mm. and uh, very confident, um, and that the oncoming war really does not care about his character whatsoever. It's just going to come on and roll over him. Yeah. And, you know, we have seen these... Um, by this stage, 2002, we've had this... It's become, thanks to Titanic and Pearl Harbor, um, we have this kind of historical epic of people in the jaws of history... Um, uh, where, you know, what, what their, their needs and wants are thwarted by, you know, the, the out, these external ties that are going to wash over them. Mm. And I just, I've never seen a film that does it quite so well as here because it is just brutal in the way that it rolls over him. Um, I, I, it, well, well uh, for me, a lot of it, and th- this is where I really find myself contrasting it with Schindler's List because to me, Schindler's List, Although it's depicting the same events, basically, yes. the, the, the establishment of the ghetto and then the gradually increasing restrictions. Yes. I always thought, felt that Schindler's List, you know, had the skulls in the background. It was, it, I, I was never able to forget that this other stuff was going to come. And I think, I think the film wanted me to remember that this other stuff was on the way. Whereas yes. here, and it, it's much more realistic, you know, e- each new indignity, they think, well, Okay, maybe that is as bad as it's going to get. Yes, I I was talking to this with my uh, talking about this with my partner, and I, I found myself using the word glamorized about Schindler's List, which is not, <laughs> it's not it's not perhaps quite the way I meant it. But yes, it's very foretold, and um, here, yeah, Spielman is is quite cocky and confident. You know, it's never going to happen to us. They're never going to make us uh, until he just can't be. Because there is no reason at all for confidence or hope. But, but, but each it, new step, you know, okay, so we, we have to wait for the, for the uh, crossing to open. And okay, so, so they can make us dance. And okay, so when they get drunk or bored, they're just going to shoot us. And so on. Exactly. It just, it progressed. The, it felt very realistic in, yeah, in the way that, and I said this, I guess, in a negative way about Mulholland Drive. If people can go through, bizarre or awful events but they react in a way that i would then i'm on their side now that wasn't the case in mulholland drive but here as you say each 
you know, you've got to wear this thing on your arm that says you're a Jew, and it's got to be this wide, and you've got to have this Star of David in, in this exact form. And you and can't they, go to the cafe anymore, and yeah. And you, that was a great scene when he's with um, uh, with uh, Amelia Fox's character, um, whose name I've forgotten, where, uh, you know, they try Dorota. to go into the cafe. Uh, th- yes, um, Dorota, and, and they try to go into the cafe, and he can't go in, and, and he... Uh, and he, he's still at that point, quite early on in the film, he's still got his confidence and his kind of mm. cynicism and his, 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 his wisecracking almost, he's almost a wisecracking here. He's not quite, but he's, he's kind of the, I'm slightly better than you character it, at it's, that point. Yeah, that's something I think you can read two ways. I mean, one, on the one way, you know, he isn't desperately trying to get out of Warsaw the way many people historically were. Yes. On the other hand, he's clearly doing at least some of it to keep her spirits up. So, yes, that's true. Yes, but that scene where you know, well, we could go and sit on a bench, but we're not allowed to sit on benches now, and we could do that. And just that was a nice way of showing how they're even within a few, you know, months, um, how their freedoms have been restricted. Hmm. There, there is a little um, weirdness in in the chronology. Uh, because you know, quite early on, we we get um, the broadcast of Churchill uh, yes. talking about the, the state of war exists and so on, and that that he historically he did that on the third of September thirty nine, right, and then later on they say the armband decree will come into force on the first of September. Okay. And me- right. Meanwhile, the actual historical bombing of Warsaw Radio was not until the 23rd of September, and that's right at the start of the film. So there, there's... So, I mean, it, it doesn't there's break... jumbling around. It doesn't break the narrative, and if they didn't mention dates, I wouldn't even have noticed it, but they do, so... Not everyone knows quite as much about the Second World War as you do. 3939, <laughs> I, I think many, many people do know, at, at least outside the US, where it started in 1940. Well, that's fair enough, yes, but we may not have known that the Churchill... Um, dates and everything. <laughs> but yes, fair point. I mean, we do get the film does it never jumps around with the narrative, but it does jump ahead. Um, mm, there there are time and, skips, certainly. Yes, and sometimes quite dramatic to the point where um, uh, you can slightly lose a sense of time. But I, again, I don't think that's to the film's detriment. Um, but it, uh, it, I don't know. The, as you say, the progression of these indignities and, and the slow progression of them. To the point where, yeah, people are like, okay, well, he shot him this time, so I'm okay. You know, from from we can't go in a cafe to that, it's a very, I mean, I know it actually happened, but mm-hmm. it's a very believably drawn line for the way people are reacting that, okay, but if we just do what they say, we'll be okay. Yeah. You know, they're not going to do any more. You know, there's a line, I think, sometimes, you know, they'd be crazy that's uh, towards, um, well, the middle of the film, I guess, when they're all about to be, I forgot the name of the operation where they all started getting deported, um, to the east. Um, but where he says, um, you know, they'd be crazy to throw away a labor force like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reinhardt, I think. Yes, Reinhardt. Um, where they all, they've got something to believe in and some hope. And, um, I, it's interesting. I said to you, um, off air that my, my, my reaction, my emotional reactions to this were very different to Schindler's List. Schindler's List, I spent a huge amount of time just in tears, just finding it very difficult to cope with. 
And to my surprise with The Pianist, I found myself numbed to a lot of it, just sort of gradually pulled into this pit of horror. Um, yeah, slightly different from me, but I think in the same direction. Um, Schindler's List didn't really touch me, and this did. Hmm. Yes, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, by saying numbed, um, I don't want to make that sound like I didn't care. I just felt kind of beaten by this stuff. Um, and I think I was numbed in a way that I didn't really want to let it in. Um, and it's interesting because that's kind of what happens to our protagonist. You know, we haven't talked about a lot of the other... I mean, there's some astonishing actors in here. We have um, uh, Frank Finlay, we have uh, Maureen Littman. Um, yeah, there's great acting performances all through it. But Adrian Brody is really, really is the central performance here. Yeah. We're with him right, right through... And what I found fascinating about this film was um, it's very atypical to any other kind of narrative because, you know, quite quickly we establish his character traits and we establish what kind of a person he is. Um, and then the rest of the film basically just goes about eroding those until mm. he is nothing but a survivor and, and not in any way a heroic survivor. It doesn't glamorize it in any way. He's just, I mean, he will do uh, and when you say, do I, I'm not putting survive. down this can of pickles just because you have hinted that there might be something better in my future. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. He's just, I have to drink, I have to eat, or this body will stop existing. Mm -hmm. And he's just worn down to this thing. So there is no. It's almost like a. I haven't seen anything like it before in film, but it's almost like a character regression rather than progression. Mm. We just see all of the civilized. Uh, values worn away but rather than turning into like a savage who will murder anyone for anything it he, he, he's just it's kind of a mouth and a pair of lungs and a, it, just a being that needs to continue existing mm. and it just i think i really appreciate it because it felt very real to me um it felt that's that's how it would be and mm. and it, it also foregoes a lot of narrative control you know we have um uh, Dorothea, who is, you know, ostensibly going to be this love interest, I suppose. It almost seems at first, but she is just, you know, whereas in Pearl Harbor, you know, the whole film would be them getting back together. Here, hmm. she's just cast away. She's not important. Well, and she turns off a bit later, married to somebody else, yeah. Yeah, and she saves this, she's part of these people who save his life, but that isn't, that doesn't become a big romantic. So we have a moment much later when he is, um, when he has been rescued by her and her husband, when he watches her at, uh, playing, um, and there is almost a hint of romance, but by then we're kind of so numbed by what's happened that it, it just doesn't seem real, mm. uh, and and nothing is ever made of it again, and he barely sees her again for the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, and I I I think I I really appreciate it because it felt very true. Hmm. And there are little things that worked. I mean, occasionally we we cut away into um, German dialogue. Yeah. And every time we cut back, I was I was really surprised that they were cutting back to English. I was I kept expecting it to be in in either Polish or Yiddish. Yes. And, and did that pull you out of it? No, but the the fact that I was that dragged in, yeah, uh, suggests they're doing something right. Um, yes. It's, 
a, a lot of films have, even in this sort of, uh, it, it's very easy to re- make a film about the Second World War with good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Uh, Nazis, bad guys. Um, <laughs> uh, or, you know, you, you can, certainly. you can do the shit with this and say, this Nazi, good guy. Um, but, well, we'll come on to that again. but what we get mostly is people who are mixed. You know, they want to help, but they yeah. do not want to help at the cost of their own lives. Yes. Um, and that, that I think is much more realistic and much more, yeah, you know, yeah, sure, we'll, we will help you, but oh boy, you know, you can't stay here. Exactly. And, and it's very clear that if, you know, if they did that, that, their own lives are at risk and their own um yeah it's um it, it felt much more uh true to life in that it, it was sort of uncaring um about uh yeah wh- whether there was good or evil or whether there, i mean clearly there was if ever there was evil you know then it then it's it clear what was happening in the warsaw ghetto hmm. was something of that but it it's not really judgmental. Um, I think it, it's worth noting that, as with Schindler's List, uh, which was written by one of the guys he saved, this is basically one person's account. Of course, yeah. Uh, in this case, it is Spielman's own account. Um, so one can say it is true to that account, and largely it is. Um, it's not completely 100% certain how accurate it is. Not, I'm not saying that there is there are major doubts hanging over it, it's just, you know, there wasn't anybody else about who can confirm it. No, exactly. And so it's it's a, uh, of course it's a um, a primary resource uh, or at least a way of watching um, something that's been filmed from a primary resource, but they, you know, they're not always accurate. But also, I think well, it's probably worth talking about the director at this point, because mm. we have Roman Polanski, who is, as we talked about with Chinatown, um, another film I perhaps enjoyed more, rather more than I was expecting. Um, uh, we have a problematic director. Um, yeah, well, in, in when he when he made Chinatown, he had not committed the statutory rape, uh, which he did in 1977. Uh, so at at this point, uh, at any point after 1977, he is um, taking advantage of his French citizenship to avoid extradition to the US for sentencing. Uh, yes, because he's been in exile for, uh, by the time of this film, um, uh, certainly a generation or nearly a generation, mm-hmm. however you describe that. Um, but Polanski also, um, lived through the, the same experience or a very similar Yeah, he experience. was in the Warsaw Ghetto. He, he, um, yeah. his family, as Spielmans are here, were all killed. He survived. Yeah, that is something. and and yeah. I looked I looked up Spielberg, and you know nothing against him, but his exposure was his his grandparents were the emigrants to the United States in the early 1900s. Yes, so he he does I mean, not. I mean, he may well have had relatives or whatever, but he he doesn't have that direct personal. Holy crap! I remember this that I really think comes through in this film. Yeah, I I mean I think. Spielberg is on record, but hopefully I'm not wrong, in, in sort of having a kind of a Jewish awakening later in life. and, and mm, Well, partic- particularly when uh, Kate Capshaw decided she wanted to convert uh, before they got <laughs> married. And that, that caused uh, him to think about it again himself. Yes, which is where, you know, we, where Schindler's List came from, at least the film. Mm. Um, uh, but I agree, this has a... A viscerality. I mean, there is, this is the problem I have, because I, you know, I, I, I don't want to, um, 
there is no way Schindler's List glamorizes anything. You know, the, the clearing of the Warsaw Ghetto in Schindler's List is um, brutal and awful. But I, it's interesting that, you know, some of the most moving emotional scenes are Schindler watching it from a distance. You know, we have the the controversial red girl, um, the girl in the red coat. Mm. Um you never get that perspective in this film. You never get the let's take a step back and see how it looks to someone who's having a normal life. You just you just don't. I, I think that's why it worked time. better for me. Um, yeah, we, we will come back to this with a future film, but with Schindler's List, from at moments like that, I I was hauled out of my immersion. Yeah, by this. I, I can see the setup. I can see the artistry that goes into making this scene look the way it does. Or in you, the, in the case the color of color change, or just the change in perspective, or just just the cinematography, or yes. as you say, the, the 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 girl in red, or that the 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 moment of oh, thank you at the end. And this just never yeah. does that. It never gives you the 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 luxury of hope really um i don't know if that is a luxury in this sort of situation but yeah I'd, and, and by, by the end i mean yes spielman is alive and he is being being a, a concert pianist and a successful one and it's not oh great he won it's oh boy he survived yeah it, it feels really we we never have anything like the um and, and both of us felt this, you know, with Schindler's List, the kind of, oh, I could have saved one more. The, the very, mm-hmm. what you would think of a Spielbergian moment. There's nothing, you couldn't imagine anything like that in The Pianist. Um, it's, uh, it's just, I mean, the title is not, um, it's so understated, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is Spielman's title for, for the memoir. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's just, uh, you never get out of that. And I think, I think this largely explains my differing emotional reactions with, with, um, Schindler's List, you're allowed to sort of take the humane perspective and look back and think, oh, isn't this terrible? That's awful. Mm. The, I don't mean, I'm sorry, I'm sounding petty in a way, but you're allowed to have the luxury of, I can stand back in my safety and look at the awful things that are happening to these people. Mm. In the, in the pianist, you just, you just don't get that. You cannot, if you were like that, you know, if you if you allowed those emotions in, you would end up like that. You know, you end up like the woman um, uh, howling that she smothered a baby to death to avoid being captured by the Germans, mm. um, and everyone else kind of vaguely irritated. But it's full of little touches that feel so true, like the um, the woman looking for her husband, uh, the woman looking for her husband, or the scene, uh, or in the same scene. Um, uh, where they're all about to be dispo- deported to the death camps. Um, you know, the kids trying to make money from a toffee, mm-hmm. from a tray full of toffees, and everyone incredulous, what are you going to do with this money? But we'll hand it over anyway, and then we're going to chop this toffee into seven pieces mm-hmm. for all of us. It was just, it was touching and moving in a way that, uh, that I I couldn't really let in, honestly. And then to have the family just um, removed, you know, that this yeah. is a family we've been with for an hour and a half or whatever, just removed, and you never, you never know what happened. I mean, I don't think the film even makes it clear. I mean, they did all die. Yeah, they, but they I, went to Treblinka. They did not come back. Yes, exactly. But uh, the film doesn't explicitly state that. It's just they just never show up on screen again. Yeah. 
It's just never show up on screen. And and he's, it's you know, I feel like in other. In other films, it would have been his quest to get there. No, I'm going to I'm going to find them. I'm going to be with them. It wasn't the case here. He's just like, no, that I I just need to continue. I just need to survive. Though I mean, he he's he's slow even to take that. You know, when, yeah. When the guy recognizes him and pulls him out of the line and says, "Run, run away now." Oh yeah. It takes I mean, it, it takes him a while to get on board with that. Yes, but it's not the heroic kind of no, I'm not. It's just kind of a uh, a, a realization that he has to do that. Um, it's yeah, it, it's kind of brutal in the in, in the way that it, it it deals with the human response to trauma and and how we do. I mean, he he seems to spend, and I I'm not arguing. He seems to spend much of the second half of the film in a in a state akin to what we would call. I, I don't know post-traumatic stress disorder nowadays, or or well, current traumatic stress. Well, yeah, that's why I hesitate because it's not really post-traumatic, but he, he's not really op- operating on a normal emotional level, hmm. uh, which makes the moments where he allows himself that you know where he starts to play the silent piano hmm. just for a moment. It's um, it's a very affecting film in, in a lot of those ways. Um, and also later in the film, what I, uh, the other the other character that struck out was the um, that struck out to me was the old technician from his um, mm. uh, from his pre- who you know straight away you know he's not got his interests at heart and he's he's it's just it, and again unfortunately it felt like a very real character a very true character I don't know maybe when I say real and true I. I would believe Lord of the Flies is what would happen with a group of kids on an island. And I, <laughs> that, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, probably fortunately has been disputed by children that have actually survived on islands who, who perhaps didn't behave in that sort of way. But my view of human nature is the William Golding view of human nature. And, and by that, uh, by that view, this, this film really just to make sense to me. There's nothing that makes me think, what, why, what? It just, it's just the way it would have been, and to a large extent, it's the way it was. So, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the, that's the that's the really depressing um, facet of it. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm not being very critical as well. I'm just sort of sinking into it and accepting it. Well, as, the, there is there is a bit that I'm not completely happy with, and I, I think we've, we've probably got to the point where we should talk about it. Um, is this the, the, the good German? Yeah, so uh, yes. while, while he is hiding out, um, he is found in, in the house that, that he's hiding in by Hossenfeld, a uh, historical character. Uh, he plays for him. Yeah, he, he, he's he's asking, what, what, what do you do? I'm a pianist. So he's, Play for me. And he does. Yeah. And Hossenfeld then says, okay, well, you can hide up here and, and brings him food and things of that sort. Now, hmm. yes, all right, on the one hand, Hossenfeld is a historical character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't just say, oh, right, you're taking the easy way out. You know, here, here is the one Nazi who appreciates music and therefore is a good German. Because uh, that doesn't yeah. work on multiple levels. Uh, apart from anything else, <laughs> lots of Nazis <laughs> did appreciate Brian. music. I, I, I don't just mean, you know, the, the, the National Socialist music. Plenty of them liked classical music. They liked drama and so on. But they were still there's quite a, happy to murder the people who produced it. There's associating moral goodness with love of the arts, I think. Yeah. 
but with Hosenfeld in particular, um, that's, he, he was not just, I like music and I'm going to help this one guy. Uh, he was, I mean, he, he, uh, he, he went to, he went to mass and confession in Polish churches. He learned Polish. Uh, he did a lot for Poles in general. Um, you know, he gave prisoners of war access to their families, contrary to orders. Uh, he, he asked for early release for a lot of them. Uh, later on, um, where, particularly when people were likely to be, um, picked up by the Gestapo, he would sort out papers for them. He would give them jobs in his stadium. I mean, the, the, yeah, he's not Schindler, but he, he, he was, he was well, doing this on a huge scale. Um, I mean, so he, he was a historically accurate. As, as far as is shown. I, well, I, I think uh, to some extent, I take your point that actually he was more, uh, he, he tried harder than was than is clear on this film. On, on mm. the film, it's I not mean, just a what, what we that... see makes him look as if, well, there's this one guy, and I can shelter him at very little risk to myself. And no, yes. he actually did a lot more than that. And actually, he tried much harder. So, it, in a way, it does him a disservice. Uh, yeah. So th- there are, as you say, there's a number of problems with it. Uh, you know, one of our problems with um, Schindler's List was the 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 good German in a way, you know, the fact that we didn't, we never saw it from the Jewish perspective, which the pianist, I, I think, comprehensively. Yes, that, that's the thing that absolutely gets right for me. Yes, it, it, I mean, we don't see, of course. I mean, it would have been completely historically accurate for three quarters through the film to him to be discovered, shot through the head, and left on the pavement. And of course, for the fact that we have to, we have a memoir that is being filmed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we have we have a, a story that's being told, and, and that is just a film that was exactly the pianist and ended that way. Whew, that would have been even harder to deal <laughs> with. Um, but I also what I appreciated about the, the sorry I've sidetracked myself because I wanted to say something I, about the pianist is that what I appreciated was that his survival. Um, it, it feels clear from the film that. Um, his survival is a combination of just sheer luck and um and just some people putting themselves out for him to the point of putting their own lives at risk and, and a certain but, amount of personal determination and personal yeah but but it was i i think i i felt what came across most strongly was was the luck element mm. in some ways it was just pure chance and 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 the problem with a lot of these stories of these uh, of these awful historical events in the holocaust in particular is they're all if you have a survivor at the end of it then sadly they're atypical stories because mm. frankly most people didn't survive and if you watched a story of for instance one of the members of the rest of his family instead of him it would have been an almost impossible film to watch mm. um but I do what I appreciated with the pianist is it, it somehow almost managed to have its cake and eat it in that it, it showed that he survived, but it showed that really, you know, he was no hero or nothing. He was determined and he was lucky and he had friends. Um, I mean, there, there, there's that bit where he's he's smuggling weapons for the uh, Warsaw Ghetto uprising. But oh goodness, yeah, it's was... it's not a big part of what he does. Yes, that's almost. I mean, he, he's doing it because he's there, and it, and it's the thing you do. 
uh, yeah. And he briefly says that oh, I should have been with them. Um, I should, have, you know, and he briefly struggles with this conscience there. Uh, whereas Dorothea says, "Well, what we we would have? <laughs> why would you want to be with them? I can't believe you would say that." Um, and then he says, "Well, what was the point?" And she says, "Well, I'm shocked at you for even asking." It was, um, yeah, all of it just felt very well done along those lines. But as far as, um, yes, yeah, sorry, I've, I've sidetracked us from um, Hosenfeld. He was a uh, Yes, he was a historically accurate character, but I I feel unlike. So this was it wasn't quite the ending scene, but it was his salvation at the end was Hosenfeld. Um, unlike the final scene of Schindler's List, uh, where we have this real kind of schmaltzy emotional breakdown, which just felt very out of character for the rest of the film. Mm. Here, I felt the pianist had kind of earned it, and I trusted it enough that I could allow that, allow that to mm-hmm. be a saviour, because I did want him to survive after he, all he'd been through, and I couldn't face the idea of him just getting shot in an attic uh, in a hospital at the end of the film. That uh, that it, we were allowed some brief glimmer of hope in human nature, but but in a in a very ground level way that yeah he was just helping him because he's he's not an absolutely awful person and not everyone has to be absolutely awful all the time hmm. I'm just noting in passing this is an early role for uh, Thomas Cratchman uh, early English role at least and and that is, is that Hosenfeld? Uh, yeah and done, done a fair bit since but uh, always worth watching as far as I'm concerned Oh, definitely worth watching here. And, and I mean, as we've said, Adrian Brody is kind of the core of the film, and it, it's fascinating to just get him watched, worn away to this nub of a character. And mm. then it's quite jarring, actually. The jarring scene where he's suddenly a, a pianist again at the end is 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 a bit. That was the jarring scene I found, and then we get a very brief brief discussion of what happens, but it's it's very little actually. There's very little on either side of the war at all. Yeah, there. Okay, I, I will grant one slightly missed opportunity there, because um, this is an actual historical thing. I mean, he was not bombed out while he was on air, but he was playing Chopin's Nocturne in C-sharp minor, and historically, the first thing he played when he got on the radio again was Chopin's Nocturne in C-sharp minor. And they used Ooh. a different piece of music, and I don't know why. I wonder, see, I wonder if that would have been too neat. This is a film that avoids any kind of neat. Yeah, but it actually friggin' happened, man. (laughs) (laughs) I take your point. But, you know, we have characters who crop up, like his, um, uh, like his his sort of handler stroke friend in the, um, uh, when he escapes from the ghetto and, and back in, and he's put to work building with the Nazis and he has a friend there who's, um, who's showing him the ropes to somebody who's mm. almost immediately shot in the back of the head quite early on. They never understand why. There's no explanation why these people were pulled out of that. Presumably it's to do with the Warsaw Uprising. But um, I, I just feel to have him wrap around that neatly would have been too neat for for the film. Yeah. All right. I, I wasn't expecting to do this, but I did actually get an instance of Roger's Gun's Corner on this. Oh my goodness, uh, let's hear it. And it's let's the same fight. it's the same thing we said with uh Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um there there is a bit where some somebody fires what's clearly a rocket propelled grenade into a building that's under assault, and those things didn't exist. It really didn't. <laughs> well there we are. <laughs> if only um, you learned the right lessons from Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
I mean, there, there were obviously um, various sorts of you know, mortars and such like. Mm. But I, I think the reason one uses this on film is that it, for a modern viewer, it is very easy to understand, you know, even if we haven't seen... Uh, what was it? Was it Rambo three that made a big thing of them? Uh, yeah, uh, Rambo two, I think. Um, but yes. um, we 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 know at least vaguely this this is a scary explosive launched weapon. It's a big explosive thing, and if you point it in this way, you know what to expect will happen at the other end, um, and it's a bad thing. Um, so I, I will admit that took me out of it very slightly, but uh, that that's me. So. Um, I, I did like the battle scenes in general, just the complete chaos, and I can't really tell what's going on. And I'm hoping some well, of the yeah. people on the ground know what's going on, because, uh, yeah. It was almost like it wasn't quite the battle scenes in Platoon, because um, that was the soldiers in the middle being like, what the hell's going on? But we had it from a step removed, because, of course... Um, yeah, we got the bird's eye view, but we still can't really work out. We still out. can't really understand what's I, going I, on. I really like that bit where the, you know, the, the second, uh, the one in, in the street, the, it's an attack on the building next door to the hospital, and, and you know, the yes. running to the hospital and saying, come back, bring stretches, and, and that, that, that is just, yeah. That's just really nicely done. It just, yeah, it all felt like, you know, there's no swelling orchestral music, there's no triumph, there's no, oh, they're fighting. It's just like, what's happening? Wait, what? What? Are they? Are they what? Yeah, it was, yes, it was well done. So, overall, I mean, I, I feel like we're, we're sort of at the point where we, <laughs> we think about the film overall. I, well, there, uh, there is just one, one other specific yeah. scene, and this links back to, um, the 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 opening one where he's saying yeah yes I really am a musician, um, lovely bits of non-verbal acting uh, when Hosenfeld first finds him and and says okay play for me and he sits down and first of all he's like okay so you know some of this is I know how to set up a piano I've done this you know ten thousand yes. times but I have yes. not done it for the last four years yes. And so I'm, you know, remembering how to do that. And at the same time, I'm deciding what to play. And I haven't played for the last four years. You know, what, what, what do I have in my head? What do I pick that's going to be the right thing for this guy? Obviously, it's going to be something a bit classical rather than jazz. Yes. And then at the end, he does not look up because he has been so, to, again, this is just the way I read it, but he has been so absorbed by, yeah, this is the thing I do and I haven't had, I haven't had a chance to do it and I'm, I'm realizing now how much I have missed being able to do this. Oh, yeah, he does not look up and see, is this guy going to shoot me or not? He doesn't care. <laughs> it's, it's, actually, you're right. There's a brilliantly done scene from the opening. You, I mean, you've just broken it down perfectly, but yet you can, in the opening scene, it's, it's a combination of rustiness and, Holy shit, I've got to think of something so I don't get shot. And by the end, he's just, he's lost in the music. And that was, um, um, I don't, I don't think it was spoiled by the fact this turned out to be the Nazi that would be okay with that. Um, I, I, as you say, it, it's I, I, I think if you, if you didn't know any of the situation, you might read it as, he is just so stunned by the music that he decides to turn his life to good. But you know, that yes. that isn't what happened, and I don't think the film really says that either. So no, I don't. I think we've trusted the film. For me, that I had enough trust in the film that it wasn't. It doesn't really. It's not like a Hollywood, uh, a, a traditional Hollywood film where this is his character trait. He uses the character trait later on, and it saves his life. Mm-hmm. It, just, it didn't feel like that kind of trite. Um, 
way of using it. It just, as you say, it just felt true. And you, you probably wouldn't have killed him anyway, frankly. But in, in this case, it, it just uh, it, it allowed him to, to embrace that for the moment. Mm. So I, I guess, I mean, we have compared it to Schindler's List a lot. Um, and I think rightly that they, they both, as we said, there's a huge amount of overlap from the director to the subject matter to the to the story itself. Um, and uh, you've said this this moved you in a way that Schindler's List didn't. And mm. I... I think I would I would agree to be honest. I feel like I, I'm glad we've watched both. Um, this to me feels, I, and I've said it a lot in the podcast, that it just feels more honest and true. Um, I, I'm trying to avoid, though I've said it a few times, I'm trying to avoid saying glamorized with Tinder's list, but it, it feels a little more. It's less slick. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and I don't I, mean in in the sense that it doesn't have the filmmaking technique behind it because it certainly does but it i think as i said it 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 doesn't cut away and show you look how clever i'm being yes well in a way although i said you know the actual appearance is more like a a traditional film the pianist the narrative structure just feels more like real life whereas the narrative structure of schindler's list feels slightly constructed and like right down to the scene where you know, you in Schindler's List, we have the you know the Auschwitz scene where they go into the shower, and it it, it plays on our dramatic tensions. Yeah, I mean, many, many other people thought that worked better than I did, but yeah, I, and it did work better for me as well. But I agree with you; it it was a, a however you feel about it, it was something of a cinematic trick. Um, uh, I, and I'm not, you know, for me it worked, and I thought it was a brilliant scene. But here in the pianist, we never get, we never get anything like that. You know, it's mm. not trying to do anything clever, particularly as you say. He never pulls back and says, "Look at this." Oh, th- like, there are one or two bits like after a bomb goes off, we've got the tinnitus effect. Yes. Yeah, did did that happen in traffic? There was something very close to it there. Oh, I'm sure it did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, but that, it, it's still a fairly new trick at this point, I think. But it, it, it feels, I, I suppose that's to me is that the narrative structure feels like life rather than a narrative structure. Um, and mm. that, that I think is where it wins me over. In, including um, the, um, inconclusive stuff. Yeah, you never find out what happens to his family. I mean, you, you know, but you don't know for sure. Whereas, you know, that would have been flagpoled, I, I think, in, in other films. Um, you never quite understand what the Warsaw Uprising is, particularly. Um, mm. and that's or, because... or indeed the, the bit where the uh, Soviet troops deliberately held off while the Home Army and the Nazis killed each other. <laughs> and, until, yes. you know, not only the Nazis, but the Home Army were nearly exhausted and then they moved in because then they could install the, the communist sympathisers as the new government. That kind of thing. I, and, and it's because in the moment you don't really understand what's happening and no one does because it takes a few years and piecing together to actually, you know, put that on a Wikipedia page or put that in a book or to to actually put it together and give it a title mm. um, in a way that, you know, as things happen in the moment, that's just not clear and, and most people don't really understand what's happening. That um, That is actually another place where, where it breaks with history because it... What what we see is um you know the the other guy that the engineer sees Hosenfeld in, in the prisoner of war camp doesn't get his name and then they go out later and say, Well yeah, the the camp was here. 
But yeah, we just can't find and him. And that's the end of it. it. It actually got a bit more complicated than that. Uh, Spielman didn't act, didn't find out his name until 1950. Uh, but he kept trying. Uh, and at that point, he, he went and talked to Jakub Berman, um, number two guy in the Polish Politburo, Minister of Internal Security. Scary guy. Deservedly yes. so. Yes. Uh, and basically said, can we get this guy out of the Soviet prisoner of war camps? And Berman came back to him and said, no, no, they accused him of spying, nothing I can do. And, and two years so, later he was dead. Um, he was dead, presumably, or believed to be from torture, or, I mean, whatever kills you in a, a, a Soviet prisoner of war camp, which is... It's none of the options is a good one. be natural cause. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I so mean, interestingly, Spielman we, we, tried harder it, to find him. Yeah, it, it's all uh, very compressed in this. Um, yeah. And, and I think that has... It, part of the point is that it doesn't really show you much outside the span of the actual war, but it... it if you know the actual story, as as I read afterwards, then I think the, it makes him look a bit, a bit more passive. Or... Yeah, I mean, not that there was much he could do, but he he did try an awful lot of he things. Did try, in that, a way, yes, really it made felt less less of a good German, and as Spielmann, more of a I don't know about passive observer, but more of a survivor. But after, yeah. But again, you know, you could probably. Yeah, he, he, he's more of a, you know, a cork on the winds of fate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say you could, I, in fact, I can see it now. You could have made a whole story about Spielman searching for Hosenfeld after the war and then with flashbacks to the ghetto and then reflecting. Yeah, it would be a very depressing life. story, but you could. It, it, it would, because it wouldn't end well. But, um, but this film isn't that film. This film is, is, you know, this is, how it was in the Warsaw Ghetto. Uh, and yes, this guy survived, but um, this is what you had to do to survive. And it's not even a, you can, if you, if you're prepared to do what you, what you want, if you're prepared to do anything to survive, you can survive. No, you could be prepared to do whatever you like. You might still die because you just get bad mm. luck. Um, there, there was one shot that jumped out at me. Um, the the uh, cinematographer uh, is... Pavel Edelman um, has worked mostly in Poland. Uh, I, I don't know his work elsewhere. Uh, but the, I particularly love the, the shot. You know, uh, Spielman is, is climbing over yet another wall. He gets yeah. over the wall and, holy crap, the entire street has been bombed to bits. Yes. That, and that's, I mean, that's just beautiful. Has been destroyed. Um, yeah. It's... Whew. Uh, it's tricky. I mean, this is, I find myself in an awkward position. This is the second Polanski film we've watched, slightly reluctantly because, uh, of the statutory rape. Um, uh, I have to say, I, I, I was, I, I was a little reluctant to watch this, partially because of the subject matter, partially because it's territory we've, we've visited before. But um, I, I was blown away by it in, in a, and in a way mm. that I wasn't expecting. Um, I don't I, want to say I enjoyed it because that that isn't accurate, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I I think I I appreciate it. I I'm really glad I've seen it. This one is going to yeah. stay in my collection. Yes, absolutely. Which is it's probably not what we were expecting to say. Um, about mm. this, which is I think it's faded slightly in memory compared to Schindler's List. Um, well, uh, it's f- first time for both uh, both of them for me for this. Yeah. So. I, 
Well, it's for, I, I, I suppose in collective memory is what I mean, is that everyone mm. remembers Schindler's List. And the well, it was the first one. Probably gets confused with the piano uh, quite often nowadays. Um, but it's, <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, well, Roger, is this a masterpiece? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's... I, the thing I always say, it's not perfect. I've never seen the perfect film. But my no. word, it gets pretty much everything right. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think we're in complete agreement here. Um, we needed Ghost of Mars after Mulholland Drive, and I don't know if we needed this <laughs> after Ghost of Mars, but it's... Um, uh, the, I think this, in some ways, I don't want to have a dig at Mulholland Drive, but I feel like I get so much more out of this. Go and listen to the episode, folks. <laughs> I just, I, this is just true and it's how things were and it's how things are. I, know, I, I know it's a film I know it's all artifice everything's artifice but I don't know I get much more out of this than the the the, the kind of smoke and mirrors of something like Mulholland Drive personally mm. but maybe that's just me I this wasn't e- a even though I, I mean I, I always say I'm a character and narrative junkie and the narrative is weak and yeah it's it's not even necessarily it's not so much saying this guy did this as people can do this i think this guy did well, it no. in this particular way but yeah i found it interesting that it's a, you want to call it a character piece but it's it's almost not because you just you lose the character for half the film and he's just this uh thing that things happen to and that he desperately tries to stop them happening to or help yeah, it's it's just how the world is, um, and I think I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> cast especially on how our um, current um, history is going because that makes me worried and nervous. But this is the sort of thing you have to be aware that humans are capable of um, before you behave like many of our current politicians. <laughs> anyway, there we are. That's a, that's a, perhaps a, a more depressing aside. We both agree um, our, our seal of approval. This is a masterpiece and we're very glad we watched it. Probably won't be in a rush to watch it again, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't watch it again. I think I would. Mm, I, I don't see myself going back to Schindler's List, but I could definitely see myself going back to this. Yes. Agreed. 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 <laughs>